The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone, you are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. I have a special guest this week. You're never going to guess who it is. It's <laughs> Dr. Nay. Hi, Dr. Nay. Hi, Megan. Should I sing this theme song? Yeah. What What was it again? <laughs> Megan and Dr. Nay. That's right. <laughs> Dr. Nay. No, I'm joking. But um, we we still need to make this is. This is your third appearance on the show, so we really need a theme song now, I think. Me too. Me too. And, um, and I just wanted to thank you for coming back on. I wanted to ask you a question, because usually I start with a story. Um, and you know you know my whole like history with my family. You know pretty much everything about me at this point. Yes. Um, my mom loves to correct my, my grammar, and it drives me like legitimately bonkers because I'm in my forties and I'll be talking to my mom and telling her a story and she'll be like, um, Cindy and I, cause I'll say something, you know, she's always correcting me and it drives me bananas mm. and I can't stop her. Um, no. I wanted to know any tips on how I don't blow my fuse and go nuts on my mom every time she does this to me. Well, why do you think it triggers you? I don't 
It's such a good question. And we're already getting into the thick of therapy. Um, I don't know, but she's done it to me my whole life. And she does it to my sisters too. So like, if we're telling a story, she'll be like, you know, she'll be like, and it's to Pete, Meg, you know, and she'll start like correcting my English when I'm trying to tell a story. And then I'm so ADD, I'll forget what I'm talking about. Oh, and yeah. it just drives me bonkers. But I wanted to know if does that if that's something that people have ever done to you, and if it irritates you as much as it irritates me. Um, I'm sure people have done that to me, and I just think at this age, your mom is your mom. She's never going to change. She's never going to change. Maybe there's a uh, like English teacher dying to come out in her, and like well, she's she was an English major. Oh, so that's why. Yeah, it's because she's an English teacher and yeah, I just yeah, yeah. accept it and laugh at it and just know she just expect that that's going to happen. I mean, it doesn't bother me that much, but it was really just, I don't know. I just, I just had a conversation with her and she did it to me and I was like, uh, like, you know, it's like <laughs> that little kid thing where no matter what age you're at and you're at the Thanksgiving table, you always go back into whatever age you were. That's right. The family dynamic growing up. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's her shtick. That's her shtick. She doesn't just do it to you. And I don't know. Maybe she does it. I bet you anything she does it to her friend. She'll be like, oh, Judy, (laughs) that's not how you say it. And she probably corrects her friends. Mom, I love you. I hope you listen to this episode because my mom loves Dr. Nay. And I guess. She was a teacher, so she's just trying to help, I think. She was never a teacher. She was an English major. Oh, there you go. Frustrated English teacher. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. So I talk a lot about how much therapy saved my life and how lucky I am to have my amazing therapist, Dr. Nay. But not everybody can get an appointment with Dr. Nay. And I really wanted to break the stigma on getting help or asking for help. So that is why I partnered with a company called online-therapy.com. They have plans that start around $30 a week and you can get weekly therapy sessions for less than $50 a week. You can also get my 20% off code by going to my website, judgingmegan.com and you go to the therapy tab. And if you click on the link at the bottom, you can get 20% off your first month. Um, So today, everyone, I'm really excited for the topics that we're going to be discussing, but we're going to start light. And the show actually is not going to be a heavy show because I like to break up the episodes and not always have such serious topics. But the reason I brought Dr. Nay on today and she was kind enough to come on was because these are topics that affect specifically women. Um, And, you know, it could affect men as well. We'll get Mm -hmm. get into that. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to start with a very very, very serious topic right now. And the topic is Erica Jane, the real housewife. What do you think? Wow. I mean, I have so many emotions around this, so I'm going to like use my own. Yeah. You're going to Zen myself and calm myself. I have so many feelings about this a, because she's a grown woman and I don't believe that she's behaving in an appropriate manner. 
for what she's going through and B, because it does trigger some of my old wounds and the way I mm-hmm. handled things. Not that I believe that everyone should handle things the way I did. However, when you know that the money that you are using or have used is from people who are victims and orphans and widows of unburned victims of extreme trauma, and you're using that for makeup and hair at an obscene level for your own selfishness, that's a problem to me. And the fact that, hey, did she know? It doesn't matter whether she knew then. She knows now. Why isn't Erica Jane giving back to those people? Yeah. So my thing on this is, number one, innocent until proven guilty. But if you're a listener and you've never listened to this show before and you don't know who Dr. Nay is, I should have said this in the beginning. So Dr. Nadine Macaluso is my therapist and she is the real life Margot Robbie. So in the movie, The Wolf of Wall Street, Margot Robbie uh, portrays Dr. Nay. All her patients call her Dr. Nay. So when we talk about being able to relate to this situation, obviously, if you've seen the movie, The Wolf of Wall Street, which by the way, is a movie. So not everything is true and it's, right. it's de- not a hundred percent depicted in reality. Um, right. You can a hundred percent relate to this and talk about some of the things that you did. The reason why, I mean, we're talking about the real housewives of Beverly Hills. Like, give me a break. This is like, this is a TV show, but it is a real life story. If you live in Los Angeles, this mm-hmm. is this lawyer, Tom Girardi, if you're not familiar with the case, um, was the, in the movie, the, the uh, what is the movie called? Aaron, Aaron Brockovich. Brockovich. Yeah. So he's depicted in the movie as this like lifesaver um, attorney that went to bat for all of these victims in California that were being poisoned by their water. Is it water supply? Was that it what was it was? Water. It was water, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah. he was he was one of the highest like regarded attorneys in all of Los Angeles. Um he he did cases of you know helping orphans. Um just mm-hmm. like like getting to what do you know about him? Because I'm I don't know the hundred percent like yeah, what he did. I, mean, I just what, know what he's I know about him. Yeah, I know about him originally, of course, from the movie Aaron Brockovich, where he is this hero for these people that have been poisoned and gotten cancer um through chromium, I think it was, and it was a PG yeah, and, yeah. and he won three hundred and thirty million dollars for these people. And so then he based the rest of his career off of, like you said, being a savior for victims of big corporations or airlines that have crashed or cancer victims that got treated with a, with a wrong treatment or this one fine young man who got burned to death because of a pipeline that burst into flames. So he goes to bat for these people against these big corporations and wins them tons of money. But then what happened, I guess what we've discovered is that he kept the money. He never dispersed it to the victims. And and his wife is Erica Jane Girardi, who, if you watch the real housewives of Beverly Hills, by the way, best, but like that, Mm -hmm. I'm a huge Bravo fan and a huge real housewives fan. That's my favorite. See, that's my favorite city. Um, she 
is extremely flashy. She's a, she's a, what is she, a pop star or like kind of a self-proclaimed pop star? Well, you know, that, that's, I think what always, that's really another point of contention is that she used this money to make Mm -hmm. herself like Madonna. I mean, Mm -hmm. you're either Madonna or you're not. Okay. I saw Madonna in studio 54 in the eighties. And, uh, so she used this money and it was again, obscene amounts of money. Obscene. Yeah, and she was, on reality. she was on the reality show. Sorry to talk over you. No, but she's flashing this in the, in the victim's faces. And say, and one of her songs is it's expensive to be me. It's expensive to be me. You know, that's, that's, she doesn't give three fucks yeah. or something. I mean, it's such blatant cruelty towards these victims to see her flaunting their money. And, and so like, let's back up a little bit. The reason, the reason why we're so passionate or you specifically are so passionate about this is because obviously your ex-husband was the wolf of wall street, went away to prison and you, you did the right thing. And once Mm -hmm. you knew like, that he was going away. You returned jewelry. You I returned, like, I returned got rid of your houses. You did everything you were supposed to do. I gave yeah. up my homes, my jewelry. I always say I took my kids and curtains. You know, I did take my kids and I did take some furniture. Yeah. But aside from that, the rest was going to go to a fund. And I never went and asked for them to, to, to carve out $600,000 from my homes. I mean, I would okay, never. So that's what Erica that. Jane is doing. She's now like so jewelry. Yeah. So she's now. So say she didn't know. Okay. So innocent until proven guilty. She had no idea that her husband was like. I mean, ripping people off. These poor people that were already down on their luck. You know, burn victims, orphans, all of this stuff. And she had like some ridiculous spending habit of like, you know, the glam squad and all the stuff she had, but let's say she didn't know anything. She does know now. And the fact that she is asking for any money whatsoever, it, that's the, that's the part that's not okay. Correct. Yes. And I, because that money is blood money. And so when I left my ex-husband, I walked away with nothing. And that's what you do. That was the price I had to pay, you know, and, and you do it. You how do did it. you, how did you do that? By the way, we've, I've never asked you about that. What, how did you, well, that must I, have been very difficult because you were accustomed to a certain kind of life and you had the two kids and yeah, you were, was, so what, how did you do that? So during my marriage, I had started a maternity company and I had my own website, catalog, store. And I sold wholesale to Barney's and Fred Siegel and stores like that. So I'd created this business and it wasn't like the best business in the world, but it was good enough. And then I grew it. Um, I just grew that business in the garment company. And so I had something at least. And then I moved to California and my business grew and I did that for many years. And it wasn't easy. It was scary. It was super scary. However, that wasn't my money to keep. It just wasn't. And I knew that. And I knew it was blood money. And I couldn't live with that on my hands. And I just, I don't understand why this grown woman, I mean, I was in my, I was 30 when that happened, 31. She's 50 something or 50 maybe. 
I don't understand why it's not computing in her brain and heart that the panther ring that she wears that's worth $180,000 needs to be sold and go to the guy who was burned from head to toe and they owe $11 million to. I Do don't you think understand she's, does that. Does she still, if that's a Cartier ring, does she still, right? It's Does she still own it? She won't return it? I don't know what she does, but I don't, I never hear in the news and I track it very seriously that she has said, this is, I need to give, I need to give to these victims. And maybe she doesn't have anything left. I really don't know those details. However, she seems quite ang- angry that the women are questioning her about this. Yeah. Okay. So, cause last night we're obviously this will come out next week and we're recording today, but the episode was on last night. And I said to Ron, I was like, I need to watch this because I need to do my homework for tomorrow's recording. And he was like, Megan, you're ridiculous. And like went outside. He was like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, it's one thing if you are like no judgments, if you have earned your money and you are well right. off, congratulations. Good for you. But I, I agree. I think you're right. And, um, and I just think it's a shame if she, if she does know all this stuff last week, she was staying in a suite at at La Quinta, which is very, very expensive. Um, you would think that she would have, I mean, maybe this is all for TV, but I don't believe that production pays for that kind of stuff that comes out of the person's pocket. Yeah, and I think it's a sad, I guess for me, it's a sad uh, symbol of the times that really, is it, oh, like, do you really need 10 Birkin bags at the expense mm-hmm. of people that have been burned almost to death and are going to have to have five surgeries a year? I don't, like, I know it's all fun and the Kardashians, and I'm not, listen, I'm the first one to enjoy nice things. I love nice things me within reason. Mm-hmm. You know, but the fact that they are so willing, I mean, he's a sociopath for sure. Yeah. He was so willing because he's been doing this for 20 years is what we've discovered. And the LA bar has ignored it. Judges have ignored it. The fact that they are so willing to steal money from these people just to have things is sad. Well, I think like to go off topic a little bit, but it's on point with what we're talking about. Our culture is just obsessed with things. And that's, I mean, that's what we are in, especially wherever you live. So say you're in Beverly Hills or even, you know, your area, Manhattan beach, wherever in LA, it's all about what you drive, what you look like, what your bags, your shoes, and that's one thing to say, like, I earned it on my own or my husband did it, but it, it, it is like really out of control. And I have to say, I love the Real Housewives shows, but when you really think about it, it is ridiculous to like look in some of their closets and they have like 10 Birkin bags. Do you really need that? Like there's people right now, I was driving down the freeway a couple of days ago, going to see the sound of music at the Hollywood Bowl, which was so cute with oh. Ella. And the side of the freeways are covered in homeless people, homeless like people, in 10 right. cities. And it's like, right. Right. I don't know. I mean, don't get yeah. me started on that. But no, yeah, I just think it's it's what our culture is making people into, which is monsters. And then, you know, I believe that the Kardashians work really, really hard, right. but, but they portray like 
you know, a certain appearance that you have to have, like, you know, you go in their closets and it is, it's the same thing. All these, you know, bags and shoes and, and everything. And, and really like, uh, you know, I, just to your point, I had a broken bag. My ex-husband had bought me this bag. It was this big. Okay. It was black crocodile bag. I never used it. I could never fit anything in it. It was a baby. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck it was. Finally, I sold it. On the real level, I was like, why do I care? Why is this bag meaningful for me? It's not. It's, it's not. Pretty, it's pretty crazy, like, what the world has become. And don't get me wrong, because I love nice things like you. I'm yeah. I'm all about, I just have because always been like this. reason, you know, yeah. balance. And so I think it brings us to our next topic, which is about image and body and, yes. you know, getting older. And they, they all weave together. Good pivot. My God. I can't even believe how good you were at pivoting there. Yeah, that is our next our next topic. So I recently, um, I'm in my fortes. And are we going to say what decade you're in? Oh, yeah, I'm 53. I love it. I own okay. it. And, and yeah. by the way, you have a freaking crazy deal with the devil, you and Christy Brinkley, <laughs> um, who's way older than you. But still, I'm going to figure it out at some point. Um we are, I openly talk about on the podcast, I get Botox, I get, I've had filler, I get my hair done every four weeks. Um, I am, I'm always on a diet. I did an episode with Diane Neal, where we talk about body image and gaining weight and all of that stuff that we have to deal with as we get older, except for you, you don't deal with it, but I do. Um, and I went to my, to my lady doctor, um, and my, actually my ob who I'm obsessed with, Dr. Suriel. And I, cause I was like, I need an ultrasound. I needed all of my lady work. Cause I hadn't been in, in like two years cause of COVID and everything. And I'm not to be too TMI, but I will be TMI. Cause I'm assuming most of my listeners are gay men. So you're probably going to tune out <laughs> at this point or women. Um, I've been having excruciating debilitating periods for the past year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is happening? So I had my ultrasound and I, and I find out that I have something called an, like a fibroid, which is very, very common in women in their forties. But very what's funny. happening is it's covering my entire, um, like uterus. And then I had a polyp on top of that, which is precancerous. So mm-hmm. I have to have surgery And thankfully I caught it. So my number one thing is that I'm going to tell you guys is get your, go get your physicals, go to the OBGYN, please. Because if I would have put this off, um, who like, God forbid, you know, and then it gets really bad. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of talk to you about aging and and the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm not menopausal yet, but I am yeah. starting to have like hormonal issues where, um, I was like, I gained weight over COVID and I couldn't lose it. So then now I'm going to, a uh, men- like a pre- perimenopausal doctor to talk about like hormonal changes. And I got myself put on es- an estrogen patch cause I want to do it early. Yeah. yeah. But people like women do not talk about 
miscarriages. They do not talk about fertility and they do not talk about perimenopause and God forbid they talk about menopause. So I wanted to have you on to talk to Mm -hmm. myself and my audience about your thoughts on this. Also what your deal is with the devil would be nice to know. (laughs) Go ahead. I I think that again, you, we, we really are not kind to older people in our society. Unlike Asian cultures, we have a lot to learn from them. And I think it's because we're afraid of death. I think that we look at every wrinkle, every issue we have with our body as one step closer to not being on the planet. And I understand that. That's real. I mean, witnessing my mother die at my age, I do understand that. But I think that what's been helpful for me, at least, is that being a young model and, 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 and being attractive, uh, getting educated and pivoting, as you would say, into a different area of life that's not based just upon the way I look has been very empowering. Listen, I get Botox. I get filler. I just got injections in my lip. I love them. I mean, I'm not, I like to have fun with it but that we have to do it within balance. And I think that hormones are a big part of it. And when we lose our hormones, happens as we get older, uh, we, you know, they really do affect our skin, our brain, our heart health, everything. And so, you know, in 2002, uh, the World Health Initiative did that study that scared women out of hormones because they said they got heart disease and breast cancer. But that we've discovered that that's not really true, that if you actually do decide that your symptoms are bad from perimenopause or you are having hormonal fluctuations, you can go on hormone therapy before that. And that it actually is very preventative for a lot of things that happen to us with hormones. And I think it's a really important topic because hormones affect everything. I mean, how do you get the week before your period? I've noticed, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I've uh, my, the lady that I've gone to my hormone specialist and I, I went to her just because of the weight gain issue and Mm -hmm. I am crabby. I I have an Irish temper. I've always had a bad temper, but I, I've noticed myself like so quick to anger and, um, and I saw this lady, she's 80 years old. She literally is still practicing completely with it. And she's been yeah. doing this for 30 years. Wow. And she told me that it's, and again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not telling anybody, any of my audience to right. listen. This is my own experience mm-hmm. and what I have chose to do for myself. Yeah. I, I realized once I got put on this patch that I feel so much better. I've only been on it for maybe a week and a half. My temper is better. I've Mm -hmm. already started to like, like lose a little bit of my stomach. Yeah. And my eating is like, I'm not as hungry all the time. So it's not just like a physical thing for me. It's also like an emotional thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. The way you feel, the way you feel in your own body. Yeah. And so I think it's so important that I wanted to talk about this because I'm not saying like my one little podcast is going to like change the world. But I think the more that women talk about um, sexuality, Mm -hmm. perimenopause, menopause, it'll be more accepted. I mean, I think about 
my for my own fertility issues and going through stuff when I was trying to get pregnant and loss and all of that stuff. And it's a very sad, lonely place that women find themselves in. Not openly a thing that you can talk to other women about. And maybe you do in passing and they're like, oh, I went through it too. But it's kind of like, you're like, what is that show? The Handmaiden's Tale. It's like a passing, the Handmaiden's Mm -hmm. Tale, a passing thing where you don't really talk about it. Right. I just, yeah, that's what I think. I Mm -hmm. think that we need to talk about it. I think we do too. And I think that women are facing challenges in regards to their hormones. I mean, a lot of women want to work. And they want to have children later. And then they're afraid, you know, because maybe they can't or, you know, they're not producing enough eggs. And women have so much to manage with their sexuality, their hormones, whether they decide to have a baby or not have a baby, their ovaries, uterus. I mean, there's a lot. What, do we get a hysterectomy, not get a hysterectomy? I mean, I've had breast cancer and I've kind of decided that once my period does stop naturally, I want to get my ovaries taken out. Right? Why not? I well, it's can't a choice. I, it's, it's a, a choice. choice. And I don't and I don't methylate estrogen well. That's actually why women have estrogen positive breast cancers. And so, you know, that's something that I think I will do. But again, my gynecologist has told me that I still even can take estrogen. So it's, you know, and I think also now with 23andMe or all these DNA tests, we can really fine tune our own specific biology and genes and make more educated decisions. And that's important. Do you think that, because I really have thought about this a lot. Do you think that all of this stems women feeling the shame of not talking about perimenopause, menopause? Do you think this all stems from men and us feeling attractive or wanted like where does this stem from I don't understand I've thought a lot about it I don't know I don't know I mean in general you know I'm a somatic psychotherapist right the body is like a curse word sometimes okay I mean we don't have a body we are our body and I think we don't like to talk about bodily fluids (laughs) disgusting you know things that we think are disgusting about the body but the body's amazing So I think that there's that stigma around the body and what it does in a way. We've really like think the mind is everything. And sure, I think that, I mean, I remember thinking, oh my God, when I'm 35, after 35, I'll never be attracted. I mean, I really thought that. I really believed it. And now at 53, I'm like, I'm still attractive. I'm an older attractive, but it's still me inside. and And that's what matters. And I know women feel like they have a shelf life. Because we're so judged on our appearance. I mean, well, we do it to, ourselves, to other women, men yeah. do it to us, right? This is the best part. You'll be watching the Oscars and they'll say, oh, she looks so old. Then they'll say, oh, look at that plastic surgery. I'm like, which one is it? Right? So it's, it's so true. And it's, it's like, so true. it's like people are judgmental if you do one, if you make mm-hmm. one decision. I have chosen. And it's not even a van. It is. It is vanity. I have chosen for myself that I want to age in a certain way. I, I'm going to I'm going to fight the hands of time as hard as I can, because I do want to look in the mirror and and 
feel like I'm still attractive, but that's not everybody's journey. That's not everybody's Mm -hmm. path. And we really shouldn't judge other people. Like say, I mean, say you're somebody and you don't have the means to get Botox or you've just chosen not to do it. Well, that's the path that you're okay doing, you know? That's right. And that's right. And it's just, you know, it's hard because when we watch shows like the Oscars or we're watching people in a box and TV, I mean, we are looking at their image, right? So it's different than a pedestrian person that chooses not to do it. And that's, and that's fine. And I just think that also, if we're not so affected by what people think of us, aging will happen a lot more gracefully. Yeah. I mean, I look at like, you know, Jane Fonda, for example. Yes. She had a very expensive facelift. She's also worked, works out. She's in her eighties. She's with it. She chose that path. And honestly, it's nobody's, um, nobody should judge other people, but I know we all do. And the thing that you said a few minutes ago that I loved is you, you talked about like how you were pretty and you were a model and then you felt like you had a shelf life at 35, but then you decided to work on your insides and educate yourself and do all the things that you've done for your insides to match your physical appearance. And I feel like women don't realize that a lot of times that it's what, like we're so judgmental of each other, right? We don't dress Mm -hmm. for men. We dress for each other. That's Mm -hmm. the joke. Mm -hmm. My husband's like, if it was up to him, I would be dressing like a Russian prostitute. Like Sometimes I'll have my spank slip on, like to put a dress over it, and he'll be like, "Oh, that's so pretty. Why don't you wear that?" I'm like, "Am I a Russian prostitute? <laughs> no, right. you know." But we right. dress yeah. to impress other women, and we're also hard on each other for our physical appearance. But it is really pretty um, empowering to know that like, I personally am also like working on my insides of the past couple of years. And I actually am starting and I do, I like my insides. I like who I'm becoming and evolving and the shit show that I had to go through to get here. I wouldn't trade with anybody, but it's so important. So important. It's so important because I've worked with so many women who they think if I lose weight and I have this sort of body, I'll be happy. And then they get there and they're like, no, because it does, that doesn't, that's not going to make you feel alive. And people don't come to therapy to be happy. They come to therapy to feel alive. So they've thought if this, my body looks like this on this number on the scale, I'll be happy. And it doesn't happen. And then they realize it's about how they feel about themselves, how they feel in their body. And, and are they being authentic to themselves and are they living the way that they want to live and expressing themselves and, you know, generativity, I want to leave the world in a better place. I want to know that I mattered in some way to help the world be better. And that's to me, what makes me feel fucking hot. Yeah. And you're doing it, sister. You can't take that teeny tiny crocodile Hermes bag with you. I mean, That's I guess right. you could put it, you could have put it in your <laughs> coffin, but like. Or it could have burned in the fire. And like, you know what? Yeah. Like that's, that doesn't matter. And so I think that that's what, what I find that works for me is being authentic, expressing my authenticity, authenticity, good, bad, or different. 
and doing work that's meaningful to me, whatever that means for me and whoever's listening, whatever that means for you. And if you're not doing it now, start tomorrow. Yeah. Start tomorrow. You know, I mean, listen, here's the thing. The average age of a female, uh, what they say now is going to be 85. Okay. So your kid, let's say if you did decide to have children and not everybody does, and so many women are not today. And I totally understand that, right? The world is diverse. Let's say your kids go off to school. Okay. My kids went off to school. Now what? What are you going to do with the next 30 years from 50 to 80? You know what? Women, you have power. You have white magic. Go use it. Go use it. Go use your brains. Go use your intelligence. Go use your creativity as Megan's done. Take a risk. You're a prime example of that. Well, thank you. But I will say, um, I think it takes, I think it takes, and we're all uh, like, we're we're all like working through something, right? To get to the end goal, which is hopefully to be for me to be reunited with my dad and Julie and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, that's why I try. Um, yeah. But I, d- I think that everybody has to go th- through certain things. And we're so judgmental, like I said, about appearance. And I, I wonder, like, what, what are we all offering? What are we all doing to better mm-hmm. the universe? And I'm sorry mm-hmm. to like, kind of go off on that tangent, but it, mm-hmm. you know, I'm pretty open with my audience and, I, you know, I'm, yeah. yeah. And that's, and, and that, and, and, you know, I think you bring up a really valid point in that be just because we work on ourselves or mm-hmm. even when we're in therapy or even when we grow in certain areas, such as like you taking a risk and doing this mm-hmm. with your show and really being consistent with it and having follow through, that doesn't mean that those insecurities go away. Right. But you're sharing it in a way to let people know it's okay. You know, women, and that's another issue that I have with the housewives, back to the housewives. It's that I am watching grown women my age eat caviar and drink champagne. And I do like it because, you know, my, my job's kind of heavy. So it is like TV for me, but I'm almost at the point where that they're fighting and they hate each other. Like if you, if we keep seeing that over and over and over and over again, we're going to be against each other. No, we need women. We need to be kind with each other. We need to be supportive because we all know how hard it is to be a woman. It's a a very weird dynamic. It's so strange. Um, My dream as like, I think I told you this when I first came to see you, I was like, I want to be a real housewife. And part of me was kidding because my old friends would always like laugh and be like, you're going to be a real housewife. Because yes, I am about drama. I am about, you know, all the things that I'm about Mm -hmm. that make me who I am. But um, I also like am finding that I, I want so badly to like get rid of this pain that I'm still carrying and the anger, the anger of Mm -hmm. like seeing a face that genuinely hurt me. And, and that's the thing that I find. Why do women do this to each other? Why do they tear each other down? And I I do think that I'm throwing fire at it by watching the real housewives because, you know, one week Sutton is on top and they're all friends with her. And then the weird new crystal girls, like, why did you walk in my room when I was naked? Like, that's Mm -hmm. not about Sutton. That's about you, crystal. That was weird. You know, 
Yeah. And you know, I have a daughter. I have three, I have, I have a lot of daughters because I have my daughter and then I have stepdaughters. And I often think what type of world do I want to leave them? You know, not that, you know, I'm going to control the way the world ends up, but in my corner of the world, what sort of example and model am I setting for them? Because they're heading into being an older woman. And I just don't understand. It's almost like, it's almost like we take away our own power and agency by not banding together. And, you know, I I talk a lot about the dark tetrad, which, as you know, is um, a type of personality that has psychopathy, Machiavellianism, narcissism, and sadism. And it's under an umbrella called the dark tetrad. And Tom Girardi is one of those people where he Mm -hmm. has stolen from people and he's rationalized that somehow I don't know what his rationalization is. But what also the research has shown, which I love, is that there's there's a cohort of people called the white triad or the light triad, right? The light triad. And they are women over 50 that are into the world's being a better place, having generativity, having ethics, having morals, not being perfect, but striving for community amongst all. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, why not strive for that instead of striving to have 20,000 broken bags and fight with your friends over caviar and it's, a, it's just such a weird, it's such a weird dynamic. And I still catch myself doing things or saying things. Of I mean, I'm human. we're all human and we'll be like, of Oh course. my God. But, um, but as yeah, kids, too, you know, we have an obligation to what we, how we are living our lives. And I know what type of parent you are. Well, that, we're going to go into that. That's our last topic. I will say, though, um, I after all that stuff happened with my kids, because my girls are my whole world, and I know you understand that because you're such a good mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tell them, like, uh, every day, like, I'm like, were you nice? Were you kind to people? That's, to me, what I want them to be. I never... I think I, from a really young age, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, I was so, um, it was so important what my physical appearance looked like and being popular. And I don't know if I necessarily put that on myself, but I think some of it was just, you know, not to my, not like my mom's fault, but it was, it, my mom was a beauty queen and it was all about mm-hmm. appearance and So Mm -hmm. I started to care about appearance and then it turned into like me being chubby and then losing the weight and everyone wanted to be my friend. So I had this obsession with like having friends and being popular for my Mm -hmm. whole life, Mm -hmm. right? Until the past few years where I've been like, okay, I'd rather have five really solid good friends that I trust than a big, you know, big group of friends that are going to talk trash about each other. So at the end of the day, I tell my kids every day, like, how was school? What did you do? Were you nice? Were you nice to everybody? Did you talk to people that were being left out? And that's the kind of thing as parents, and believe me, I'm no perfect parent, um, should be caring about and teaching our daughters. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. And And I mean, we are so blessed in this country. If you look at what's happening in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We we have opportunity to make a difference in the world, to 
use our empathy and compassion to make the world a better place. And uh, I think that that's a really important message or go out and be a kick-ass boss or run a Fortune 500 company or come up with a patent, you know, like earn the Nobel Peace Prize. Just, Just go embrace life in different ways than we've been conditioned to embrace life, which is about what we look like, you know, the size of our tits, the size of our waist, the size of our ass. Like we are more than that. Yeah. My father gave me nothing but good genes. Well, it's not I don't like think I, that's very fair. But you know, it's like, it's, <laughs> like I was like, how are you thin? I'm like, it's my genes too. I, you know, but we, I just I just know that we're more than that. And and I think being a parent has also taught me that too. And Artists also, we're not you're, we're not gonna be attractive forever. If we are no. on this planet, like I mean, I knowing me, I'm gonna be like Joan Rivers or Diana Wendelstein, whatever that lady's name is, the lion lady, <laughs> God forbid. But, um, oh, yes, yes, you know, but it's like, it's like, Wendelstein. you don't, <laughs> you don't want to be, it's almost like a weird Benjamin Button kind of thing, right? Where you, yeah. as we age, we learn so much about our inside selves, but we want so much to look like our young selves when we didn't yeah. realize how good we looked, I know, right? I know. It's weird. Youth is wasted on the young, for sure. But I don't know. There's something out there that has it figured out much better than we do, and I just surrender into that. Well, let me ask you a question. So this is our last topic we're going to yeah. kind of still go into. So I love the fact that you are such a great mom. And... Recently, I know that your daughter's getting married and um, your son is a rapper. And I love the fact that you, I think you recently posted this. I was like, this is why I love her. But you were (laughs) like, one day he came home and he was like, mom, I want to become a rapper. And I think about how many parents would be like, "Um, no. And you were just like, okay, do it. And he did it. So how did you get to be the kind of parent that you are. I mean, I know you've had to work so much on yourself, but like I'm not really asking selfishly because I really need tips. Um, I'm I'm struggling with a tween right now who does not listen to me and is talking back. And I just think my audience, a lot of mothers would want to know like some tips that you can give. Because I think that takes, that's pretty brave that you were like, go ahead, become a rapper. I know. I know. It is kind of funny, right? Um, You know, I I think that I had a great mom. I know I had a great mom. And she was, you know, as I've spoken before, very progressive, very psychological. And I, she just was a great teacher about how to be a mom. And then I learned a lot through my schooling. And trust me, I wish I'd gone to school when my kids were younger, because they wouldn't, I wouldn't be spending so much in therapy now. (laughs) But that didn't happen. And that's okay. And I, I feel like everybody, I know that love is two things, quality of connection and giving my children the space to be who they are. And I think for a lot of parents, myself included, we have a vision of what we think our children should be. Maybe our unlived lives, or we want them to be this way or that way, but that's not them. Mm. And so I gave him this, it's not that I gave him the space. He came and said it to me. and. I really believed that he could do it. I just think anybody can do anything if they want to put their mind to it. And why not support your child? 
what's going to ever happen? I mean, he wasn't saying, mom, I want to be a, a drug dealer. I, you know, but he was, he was in high school and he was going to go to college. What was the, you know what happened? He had seen a very traumatic incident that happened in Manhattan beach uh, where he had seen, there was, I don't know if you know the story about there were these uh, teenagers on that double decker bus. Yes. And he, he yeah. That boy died and he had pulled the other boy down and saved him. I didn't so, ever know that. Yeah. So after okay. that incident, he really started to write a lot. And and I took him to a doctor because his stomach was upset, of course, because he had some IBS after that. And the doctor said, poetry and writing will be his healer. And I listened to him and I knew that that was a way for my son to manage his existential angst or his angst about becoming a young man. I mean, listen, he also had his dad who's the Wolf of Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my husband's pretty alpha, so he's surrounded by alpha men. And I, I just held the space that this is, this is what his soul needs. And either it'll work for him or it won't. And he put in the work and it worked. Yeah, so now he's... He's, he's touring, what? he's touring with, she's opening with Swayze. And here's the thing. Also, I think growing up in Brooklyn, there was, people weren't really into facades in Brooklyn. <laughs> no, nobody was like keeping up with the Joneses in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Everybody was poor and just scraping it like their lives together. So I was like, yeah, be a rapper. I mean, I don't know. Why not? I don't know. It I just, just was I think it's. I, I, here's the thing. So my, my kids are very different. One is the opposite of me. And then my younger one is like, if you could clone me and have her have my clone come out exact, which is terrifying by the way, that there will be another one of me on this planet, but we're different, but we're just so much alike. We both love to sing and we sing every day today. We just, we have a lot in common, but then my older daughter is just you know, doesn't want to brush her hair, doesn't, you know, doesn't care about her physical appearance. It's just, you know, like, let me go to school and just not brush my hair. So it's, I find myself yelling a lot and really angry because I'm putting my stuff on her and it's really about me. And then I'm finding that she's becoming resentful and angry at me. And then Ron and she have this like bond yeah. And where right. I'm fighting with him, it's just a whole thing. So yeah. is there Yeah, I think I think, you know, one time when I was in super supervision, because when you're a therapist, you do supervision with other therapists. And I remember training in one session and doing supervision. And one of the other therapists who was also a mother said one of the wisest things, I'll never forget it. She said, It's our job to tolerate our disappointment in our children, or if they're not what we think they should be. And it really stuck with me. That it's, we don't, they are their own people. They come through us, but we don't own them, you know? And so I've done that thousands of times, like before this thing with my son, for sure, put more of my beliefs onto them, but they do resent you and it does create separation and your daughter's a creative genius. So do you think that people should put their kids in therapy? Like if you're starting to notice I mean, I've been dealing this now for a few years and she has talked to you before, but like, I'm wondering what is the best solution if you are, especially with girls and mothers, I think have issues. What do you you recommend therapy at a young age for kids? I mean, my, my daughter, I think started therapy at 16, my son at 16 as well. Um, 
yeah, I think at too young of an age, it, it doesn't work. I just don't think it does. But I think, you know, 15, 16, when they're starting to find their own identity and separate from their family and discover who they are, you find a good therapist that you also have a good relationship with, then it works great. Because the, the mother and the therapist need to be connected. Uh, my daughter had a great therapist, Tamar Cohen, shout out to her. And, uh, you know, I always wrote her letters. She would always send me cards. You know, we had a very nice relationship. And I just look at a therapist, especially for that trying time, as another resource for the child. But it has to be yeah. a good family. Yeah, I highly yeah. recommend it. I just think... It's and go so, to somebody who has kids. <laughs> yeah, Don't go yeah, to a yeah. therapist who doesn't have kids. <laughs> oh, and I do want to point that out. So well, I think I've talked about this before, and I have brought it up on episodes. I think Amy's episode a couple episodes ago, and then I had one where we talk about if you are if you do end up in therapy, make sure that you are with the correct therapist. Because I've said this before, it's like dating. And if somebody goes into therapy and they go, oh, I'm never going to therapy again. This is not for me. No way. Um, Maybe they won't ever go back. But it's so, so important. Because I will tell you this. um, I'm a work in progress of 100%. I just openly talked about all the things I'm still dealing with. Mm -hmm. But if I wouldn't have taken the step a few years ago to go into therapy and deal with all the stuff that wasn't even necessarily stemming from what was happening with the friend stuff. I, I don't know where I would be. And Mm -hmm. I, and I can't tell you how many of my listeners reach out to me and that's kind of also not to plug my co-sponsor, but online therapy, um, it's online-therapy.com. I partnered with them because a lot of people can't go to Dr. Nay. And I say this in the commercial, right. Um, right. you know, it's, it's something I believe in. And I think that if you're questioning any of the things that I talk about on this podcast, depression, anxiety, suicidal ideations, um, struggling with like your kids and, and not knowing like as a parent, how to deal with your anger. Um, all of that stuff is, it's going to help you become and evolve into a better person. I think not like I'm saying I'm a great person, but going to help you in the lessons of life to get, to get past stuff. Right. Yeah. And I think the the way you say it is beautiful to help you evolve. And that's why I love the title of Michelle Obama's book, right? It's called coming. Mm-hmm. We never really land. We're never done until we die. We're, we're always becoming more of who our soul wants us to be. And therapy is a process. You might get there because you feel bad, but really that's what the process is about is helping you. Those symptoms are a sign for you to connect back in and that therapist will help you do that. And, and it's a gift that you give to yourself, right? Like I had to get my big butt on my Peloton this morning. Do you think I wanted to do that? No, I did not. Um, I don't like any of those teachers. I'm not going to be able to walk tomorrow, but I did it. So I worked on my butt. I worked on my, you know, my physical, like my, my, physical body, my, specifically my stomach that I'm working on. Um, yeah. And I, it's so important to work on our brains. So important. 
mm-hmm. right? And our hearts, yep, and our hearts. Yeah. And yeah, it's uh we it's we're always becoming, and that's important to and to have compassion with ourselves through that pro- this process called life, because as this year has showed, showed us, it's, it's life can be very tough. Yeah. Yeah. It can be tough. So number one, Erica Jane, please return your jewelry. Please. Um, if you, I'm okay. sure you're listening. We're, we're, begging, to my we're, begging, we're begging you. We're begging you. Yeah. Please return your jewelry. Tom Girardi. If you are faking <laughs> that you have Alzheimer's shame on you, there's a special place for you that I think my stepfather might be waiting for you in who passed, um, that you are most likely going to not going to say where, uh, number two, um, aging is, we all go through it. We all will be old one day. Um, own it, go to the doctor, go to your gyno, go talk to, if you're having hormonal issues, look into, um, what I talked about, like maybe HRT, Um, look into different things, but please get your, go to your OB-GYN. Cause if I would have waited, who knows what it would have happened. If you would have waited when you were younger and you oh, had breast cancer, yeah. like mm-hmm. you wouldn't be here. That's so, right. so important. Um, and then number three, if you are like me and you're struggling with, um, how to be a good parent or how to talk to your kids or your kid wants to become a rapper, let your kid <laughs> become a rapper. <laughs> you know, let your kids be your kids, right? That's, right? that's right. That's right. And there's so much great material. Dan Siegel has beautiful books about how to be a healthy parent. I highly recommend him. Okay. Keep living, keep praying, and keep growing. Thanks, Dr. Nay. My pleasure. Hi, everybody. Have you heard of Instacart? If you have not heard of Instacart, I don't know where you have been living because it saved my life. I don't have to go to the grocery store. I can get my stuff delivered to my house. And if you go to judgingmegan.com forward slash Instacart, you will get $35 off of your first order if you've never ordered before. So I would say get on there right now and skip your trip to the grocery store.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.